Hey, this, uh, this incident is known as the miracle on the Hudson. Flight 1549 happened on January 15, 2009. And um, I'm here to tell you it is a miracle. It had never happened before where they all survived. You know, one of the most powerful points in that movie and in that story that I recall is when Captain Sullenberger wanted to know, I need to know 155. And that was the number of souls that were on board that plane counting crew and passengers. And partway through the story, a little bit after he got rescued and was sitting on the shore there, standing on the shore, one of the executives from the airlines came forward and said, all 155 are safe. We love miracles, don't we? We just love to see miracles. We love to see stories of survival. We love to see stories of hope that give us hope as well. You know, downtown Oklahoma City, there's a American elm tree that's more than 100 years old. This elm tree was right next to the Alfred Murray Federal Building that was bombed on April 19th in 1995 where 168 Americans died because of a terrorist, a terrorist attack there. They were going to chop this tree down because they didn't think it would survive. They also wanted to use the tree to examine and pull evidence from that bomb that they might be able to put together the evidence and put together the investigation using that evidence. That tree today is known as the survivor tree. And there's a band around the bottom of that tree, and it says this. It says, the spirit of the city and this nation will not be defeated. Our deeply rooted faith. I love that. Our deeply rooted faith sustains us. God tells us in his holy word that all things work together for those that love him and are called according to his purposes. You know, as we look at life's experiences, many times we've been through some hard times, many times we see hard times out there. What could possibly come good out of this? But we see it all the time, that God shows us a silver lining, even in our hardest times, if we look for it. Well, probably one of the greatest survivor stories of all time is the story of Noah. We've been studying that a little bit here. The story in chapter 9 of Genesis here ends. We see the ending of the story here we're going to look at this morning. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me, to, if you will, to chapter 9 of Genesis. We're going to begin at the 11th verse. As you find your way there this morning, stand with me, this, if you will, this morning, out of reverence and respect to the reading of God's holy word. It says this in Genesis 9, verse 11. Thus I establish my covenant with you. Never, This is God speaking. Never again shall I shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be for me the sign of a covenant between me and the earth. It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth, and the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant which is with you between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. The, rain sh the rainbow shall be in the cloud, and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and the everlasting creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on this earth. Let's pray. Father, may you bless the reading of your holy word. Father, we pray today, Lord, that we might see things this morning that we've never seen before. Father, Lord, open up our hearts and our minds, Father, to your holy word this day. Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, we've all seen rainbows before, and a lot of times we kind of just look at them and marvel at how beautiful it is, and we point it out to our family or our children. Look at that rainbow up there. 
You know, I want to tell you this morning, though, that a rainbow is more than just an atmospheric phenomena. The rainbow is a sign. It's a sign from God Almighty. You ask this morning, well, what is God saying in that sign of the rainbow? You know, there's all kinds of things he's saying, but I think first and foremost, when we see a rainbow, God wants you to know that, hey, I'm still here. I'm still here. I've been putting this rainbow in the sky for more than 6,000 years. I want you to know that my promises, my covenant is everlasting. I love that it actually says that there in the scripture we just read, that God's covenants are everlasting. God wants us to know that he is still right there. No matter what comes our way, that he's still right there. God is a God of hope. He's got a peace. He's got a grace. God is a God that sent his only begotten son in this world that we might have a relationship with him, that we might have everlasting life. When we look at that rainbow in the sky, every time it storms, we need to realize that God is still there. God is still in control. God still has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us, that God has a silver lining in every single experience of life. The story of the rainbow kind of follows up Noah going through an incredible catastrophe in his life. An incredibly hard time. The flood covered the whole earth as we understand. Also, the, the flood, don't miss this part, the flood destroyed every single thing that Noah knew except for his family and a bunch of animals. You know, we know that Noah floated around with that zoo for almost a year on the water, not really understanding what the next steps held, but realized that at that point they were safe, that God had spared and saved his family. It was a miracle. I want you to know that, God, that Noah's hope did not rest in anything that was destroyed by that flood. It didn't rest in that things. Noah's hope rested in one thing and one thing alone. It was God Almighty. His hope was based on that. You know, a lot of times we find some of our hardest times that we go through in this world is because we've established hope with things on this earth. I'm, I'm depending upon my bank account, and that gives me security, and that gives me hope. I'm depending upon my retirement fund, my 401, 401k plan, whatever it might be. We're hoping on these things. Or maybe we're hoping on a certain job that I want to get or a certain job that I have right now. And when we lose that job or my identity, all of a sudden I realize, who am I? Where is my hope today because I don't have these things? How sad that we might rest our hope in something less than God Almighty. You know, after the flood, God gave Noah the covenant. We just read it a minute ago, but here's verse 16 again. He said, the rainbow shall be in the cloud, and I will remember... I will look upon it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature. God says, remember my everlasting covenant. You know, a lot of times we get this whole covenant idea kind of confused with a contract. But what's the difference? A covenant is eternally binding. It's not going anywhere. It's fixed. It's just fixed like gravity. It's a fixed law of God. It's a fixed promise of God. God's everlasting promise is a covenant. How is that different than a contract? Well, a contract, if you think about a contract from man to man, as long as you do your part, I'll do my part. God's not like that. God says, I'm making an everlasting covenant with you. I'm making a promise. I want you to think about this for just a second this morning when we think about rainbows. Even though specifically God said at that time, I'm giving you this rainbow as a covenant that I will never again destroy the earth with a flood. But I want you to know this morning that God says, God did that for us so we'd understand that 6,000 years that covenant has stood. That God wants us to understand that every single one of his promises lasts forever. God's not a promise breaker. God's a promise keeper. God has promises for you and I that we can stand firmly on. You know, think about some of the promises. You know, 
God says, you know, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. God says, I shall provide. I love this one. God said, I will provide all your needs according to riches in heaven through Christ Jesus. What else do we need besides that? God says, I'm going to provide all your needs. That's a promise that you and I can stand on. Just as firmly as we can stand on the fact that God's not going to destroy the earth by water again. Even David in Psalms 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not what? I shall not want. Because Jesus Christ is my shepherd, I will never want anything. Because why? Because God's going to provide all my needs according to his riches in heaven through Christ Jesus. We have an incredible God that loves us so very much that he gives us signs that we might be reminded of these things. You know, I, I, I'm here to tell you, confess this morning, I think about the rainbow from God's perspective once in a while, but usually I just examine it for how pretty it is or what it's looking. We've seen some rainbows over our church before. Sitting out in the parking lot, look up and there's a rainbow that kind of arches over our church. Thinking, how profound is that? You know what that is? Well, that's God remembering our church. He's remembering you, the body of believers that goes this place. We've been studying the minor prophets on Friday mornings in our Friday morning Bible study. A little commercial for you. We meet at 7 to 8 o'clock on Friday mornings at the Chick-fil-A there. But you know, we've been going through the minor prophets. We just started. We did Jonah, now we're in Amos. But I want you to know that there's an overarching theme in the, in the minor prophets. They're in all the prophecies of the Old Testament. The prophets, their number one mission was to get people to look back to God. Repent, because God's getting ready to say something. Get your heart right with God. We know from studying the Old Testament that the nation of Israel had a hard time keeping their focus right. They were constantly looking the wrong direction, constantly looking at the wrong things in life. Amos, the one where the book we're in right now, all three chapters, starting with chapter 3, chapter 4, and chapter 5, they begin with the same three words. Amos says, hear this word. Hear this word. Hear this word. God wants us to hear his word. God has something to say. God says, pay attention. I want you to pay attention. You know, a lot of times we look back at those Israelites from the Old Testament day and say, how could they be so stupid? Well, you know what? Their problems are just the same as ours. We get distracted. We get too busy. We take our focus off God a little bit. And all of a sudden we realize, man, I've gotten a long ways away from God. I'm not where I need to be. God has this incredible plan and purpose for my life. God has blessed me so abundantly. What am I possibly thinking about going this wrong direction? So all of a sudden it rains one day and you look up and there's, this, there's a rainbow. God's saying, I'm still here. I've never left you. I'm never going to forget you nor forsake you. God's saying, I got this thing. You know, God is speaking to you and I, and the question is, are we listening? Are we really listening? I believe with all my heart that's one of the biggest reasons that God put that rainbow up there, that God gave us that rainbow to remind us, give us something beautiful just to think for just a moment, to pause, be still, and know that he is God. God has this incredible, wonderful life for us. We don't need to miss it because we're looking at the wrong things. You know, what a great privilege you and I have that God speaks to us. What a great privilege that we have this Bible. I believe I've shared with you before that most people overseas in these third world countries don't have a Bible. When we've gone over their mission trips and we've had the opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and become a Christian, the number one question they ask us after that is, hey, can I have a Bible? What kind of Bible? We didn't have enough. So we gave them to the church and said, they got them at the church. Go up there and you can read it there. Or they'd loan them out from the church for a little while and that person would take it home and read it. Do you know how many Bibles the average home in America has in it? Seven. I don't know how they figured that out. I guess they took a survey. But seven Bibles in America. 
do we pick up our Bible and really get into our Bible? Do we see what God has to say to us? Because God speaks to us, we have an incredible responsibility to what? To listen. To hear what he has to say. As we get connected more and more with God, you know what happens? We get more in tune with not wanting to miss what he has to say. God, thank you for showing me this. God, thank you for showing up when I had this problem. God, thank you for delivering on my prayer request. This last week I heard all kinds of prayer requests that were answered. People praying for all kinds of things and said, God answered my prayer. God answered my prayer. God answered my prayer. God answers prayers when we're serious about praying. God answers us when we're praying for the right things. God answers us when we take time to spend time with him. God speaks every time he puts a rainbow up in the sky. You ever see a rainbow on a bright and sunny day, a perfect day out there? Have you ever seen one? The answer is no, and we never are. When does a rainbow come? After it's been very, very rainy out there, stormy, we see all kinds of lightning and thunder and storms, and finally the clouds clear a little bit, and you look up there, oh my gosh, there's a ra- look at that rainbow. Look at that rainbow. Isn't it interesting that God sends those rainbows after storms? We have to endure that storm before we see that rainbow. You know, it's the same with our Christian walk. A lot of times we endure some hardships in this world. God wants us to know because he's shown us that rainbow before, because of other things we know in our life. He wants us to know that in the midst of that storm, you're going to see something incredibly powerful. Jesus Christ personally told Paul when he was praying about the thorn of the flesh, my grace is sufficient. He says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. He's telling Paul right now that when you're going through your storms, it's going to be the time when you see me. I'm going to be the rainbow in your life, Jesus says. I'm going to be the person in your life that's going to make a difference. I'm going to be the person in your life that gives you strength to go through the storm. Many of us have faced tumultuous situations in our life. We've gone through some hard, hard situations. We've wondered many times going through that storm, am I going to make it? Maybe we've had to face death on our own. Maybe we've faced the death of a loved one. Maybe we've gone through incredible pain in our life or loss or illness or betrayal. Maybe we've gone through dealing with a rebellious child. We've all gone through these hard times, incredibly hard times. You know what God's saying when we go through those hard times? I can tell you one thing. He's saying, look up. Look up. You're going through a hard time right now? Just look up and hold on to me. Just look up and you'll see me. You'll know I'm here with you. Understand that I have everything under control. Nothing ever happens in our life that's outside of God's reach. God has these things in his hand. wants us to understand that I am still here, that God is still on his throne, and his word is still in his book, that God has this in his hand. You know, the Bible tells us, and we studied this a few weeks back, that uh, Noah found grace with God. How'd that happen? It was through his righteousness. He desired to be faithful to God. Well, how could he become so faithful and how did he have such great righteousness? He did one thing. He believed God. He believed God in all things. He believed that God had it in his hand. I want you to understand, we mentioned this before too, that the whole story of Noah is a precursor and a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to see so many things here today in the next few minutes that point us back to Jesus Christ in the story of Noah. That rainbow is one of those things. Noah and his family were spared because of his righteousness. Today, we're spared because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. 
When we accept Jesus Christ as a personal Savior and surrender our life to Him, you know what happens? We're covered by Jesus Christ's righteousness. We can never be righteous enough to save ourselves. God said, hey, I'm going to make this a little more simple for you. God said, it's going to cost me, it's going to cost me our son, but I'm going to give you righteousness at the cost of my son's life upon that cross. You know, I want you to understand, too, the, the message in Noah is not that our God is vengeful, not that our God took great joy in destroying human life. The story coming out of Noah needs to be the fact that God takes sin seriously. God takes it seriously. You know, too many times we as human beings, because we have a finite mind and not an infinite mind, do not give God the glory he deserves in reference to sin. God, I don't want to sin, because I know that's an affront to you. God, that displeases you, and I don't want to do anything in my life that would displease you. I want you to understand this too. I just mentioned the fact that Noah is a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ was already on the way to the cross when God flooded the earth. That was already in God's heart and mind. He was already planning for the cross. Scripture tells us that it's Philippians 2.8. says, being found in appearance as a man, he, speaking of Jesus Christ, humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Jesus Christ left heaven's glory to come down to earth. He walked this earth and died upon that cross. We know the rest of the story. The rainbow points to the cross. The cross is an incredible image. You know, the Old Testament points to that cross. The New Testament points back to that cross. The cross is the bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus Christ came to die upon that cross. But God had bigger plans than for just Jesus to die and be over with. We need to understand that everything in the Old Testament points forward. Beginning, not just with Noah here, but from the very beginning, here's another story that points to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's interesting, though, that another precious symbol for us today is that cross. You know, most of us know that that cross at one point was the most inhumane, torturous, possible death you could ever experience. It was brutal. No way would somebody in Jesus' time make the cross into a piece of gold jewelry. You know the number one image that's used for jewelry today? The cross. Isn't that amazing? What was once so brutal is now a beautiful symbol. How could that be? I can tell you why. Because the greatest story ever told included a cross. That cross has beauty today because Jesus Christ died upon that cross. But more than that, he was victorious over death and rose on that third day. The Son of God came to earth to die upon that cross. question for you and I this morning is, what do you think about when you see that rainbow and that cross? What do you really think about? I think one of the things we need to think about is that who am I on Jesus Christ? Who am I really? Am I where I want to be with Jesus today? Am I walking in such a way as that I bring glory to God? Am I walking in such a way as that I'm not going to miss anything that God has for me? I don't want to be so busy out here going in this direction over here that I miss what God has for me over here. I want to have Jesus Christ right in the center of my life. I want to not miss one single thing that God has for me. 
I want to be his servant. I want to be used of him to bring his light in this world that so desperately needs a light in this darkness. Just for a moment here before we conclude, I want to take a moment and look back at Noah once again. But I also this morning kind of walk and I look at our own selves as we ponder Noah's life here. Then in chapter 8 of Genesis, we see the ark landing and Noah getting off that ark. The very first thing that Noah did was to build an altar and worship God. Chapter 9, Noah began farming. He also planted a vineyard. The story tells us, and we talked about this two weeks ago, Noah got drunk. He fell asleep in his tent, unclothed, and his boy Ham walked in and saw it. Caused Ham to stumble. Well, how sad that because of Noah's sin, his son Ham did not see Noah's righteousness. He saw Noah's sin. It's interesting, all the things that Noah did to serve God. All the things that Noah did to build that ark and preach the gospel for, preach righteousness for 100 years. It took him 100 years to build that ark. Doing all those things, Noah forgot one very important thing. All those people that he knew on earth there were gone. But the devil wasn't. The devil, unfortunately, transcended that flood. You know, I want you to know that even though Noah sinned, we all sin. We all fall short of God's glory. Noah's issue was not ungodliness. Don't miss this thought this morning. Noah's issue was sloppy spirituality. Sloppy spirituality. 1 Peter 5.8 says this, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking who he, who he can devour. You know, the devil usually gets us when we're asleep. Usually gets us when we're not paying attention. Usually gets us when we got the wrong focus we're looking at here. We're not looking up. I want you to know this morning, too, that most of us underestimate the, the, the devil. We underestimate the enemy. The enemy is looking for the most likely avenue of approach in your life. He understands your weaknesses because he watches you. He can't read your mind, but he watches you. He knows where you go. So Satan knows where I can attack this person and get the most of him. I know how to take this person down. 1 Corinthians 10.12 says this, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. What Paul saw in the Corinthians here, you got a lot of confidence about where you're standing, but I want you to realize that confidence is misplaced because you've got to pay attention because you could very easily fall. The question for you and I this morning, am I walking so close to the edge that the devil's going to have an easy job just kind of flicking me over the edge? Or am I firmly founded? Am I taking heed? Am I making sure that I stand where I need to be standing with God Almighty? God wants you and I to be spiritually vibrant. God wants you and I to be spiritually sound. He wants you and I to build our lives on solid rock, not on the sand. God has an incredible plan and purpose for our lives. God desires to do something supernatural with just ordinary people like you and I. We have two incredible symbols, the rainbow and the cross. There's many more that God has given us to remind us to look up, to look up, understand that God desires to have first place in our lives. 
that God desires for you and I to be sold out to him. And everything else will work out. Everything else comes together. Just a few moments, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. I want to share this scripture out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. If you have, in fact, if you have your Bibles here this morning, turn with me really quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I want you to see this this morning because I believe it speaks to every one of us in our life. Paul is admonishing the Corinthians about not taking the Lord's Supper properly, about not rendering due respect to what that represents. And he writes these things, among a few others. Chapter 11, verse 23. He says this, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this and remember to me. Then verse 25, In the same manner he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the blood and body of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and so let eat. Let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. We're going to have an invitation here in just a moment. I want to invite you first and foremost, if you've never received Jesus Christ, we'd love to talk about that. Maybe you know about Jesus Christ, but you don't know him personally. We'll have an invitation. We'd love to talk to you. I have some men standing with me here today. We'd be honored to tell you. You heard about those three young children this last week that heard about Jesus Christ, and they want to have Jesus Christ for their own. If you're here today and need prayer, we'd love to pray for you. But I want to share this with the rest of us here. As we pray about this invitation this morning and ponder it, pray for those around us, I'm going to ask you to pray for yourself this morning. God, am I being sloppy in my spiritual life? Is there sloppiness in my spiritual walk? God, I want to walk steadfast. I want to walk firmly towards you. God, you tell us in the Holy Word to redeem the time and also to walk circumspectly. That means to walk carefully to make sure I'm walking the way God wants me to walk. We have an incredible opportunity this morning to leave this place different than the way we came in. I'd invite you to do that this morning. Everyone must search our heart and listen to God, whatever he's saying on it. 